All right, Sunday, January 8th, 2023. Cheers. Welcome back to That Change Show. I guess this is season two because the podcast uploader thingy I use allows you to have seasons. So what the heck, new year and new seasons. So let's start this one off with a bit of incongruence. And um, hopefully by the time I finish recording this and hitting publish, I've kept the episode name to be what I'm gonna tell you here, which is basically the importance of New Year's resolutions. So again, I do this show live, try to do it every Sunday because it's really the only time that I have that to myself. Um, and I typically go out for a walk, think about the episode and just record it live off the cuff. So there are video and audio versions of this. You can catch the video versions at leanchange.tv because I typically will show some stuff on screen. And if you're listening to this in your podcast listener thingamajiggy, there'll be a link to the video in the show notes as well. And vice versa, if you're watching this on YouTube and you don't want to watch the video versions, there's links to just the podcast versions. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about that, uh, that, that incongruence off the bat. So, um, New Year's resolutions are important. There's an interesting article here on Inc.com, which I don't think any of us, this is a shock to anybody who's listening to this. Uh, studies show 91% of us won't achieve our New Year's resolutions. How to be the 9% that do. Four strategies that the 9% of successful goal achievers do consistently well. And I'm guessing it's the same crap that you've probably seen a million times because articles like this just post the same things over and over again. They're all the same. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about the stat, much like nobody cares about the 70% stat. Um, so I kind of go to, if 91% of the people aren't going to achieve their resolutions, why does anybody bother to create them? And the importance of that is the ritual around it. So when I use the term ritual, which eh, maybe that's going to trigger some people, think of it as just a carved off point in time that gives you focus. So ritual, ceremony, New Year's, a solitary event that you do, um, maybe not at the same time or in the same place, but it's basically a little piece of time in the space-time continuum that you carve off where your brain can focus on something. And that's why people like rituals. So National Geographic has an interesting article I'll link to as well. And it talks about why humans embrace rituals. And the main point that they talk about there is the comfort of routine. So there is the, the, the comfort of the routine is number one, expectations. So if you look at ceremonies and rituals and organizations, it, organizations that, um, you know, uh, are using Scrum, for example. Scrum has their, their ceremonies, as they're called, and sprint planning, daily stand-ups, backlog refinement, retrospectives. They're done at the same time, the same place, for the same duration every week, if your sprints are a week, which they should be, they shouldn't be longer than a week. And I know some Scrum people will get mad at that, but, you know, when Scrum came out, it was 30 days, which is way too long. Then the norm became two weeks. Now the norm from what I see is a week. And then of course the Kanban people will say that's wasteful. You should just go flow based, but I don't want to go down the dirt road of what agile method can beat up the other agile method. So let's just get back to those, those, those routines. So the comfort of the routine is number one expectations. So if you look at scrum again, for example, um, if you're carving off, let's just say all those ceremonies is six to seven hours a week then the work is going to shrink 
to accommodate the time you're going to be spending on those things. And then the time that you're spending in those ceremonies is focus time. So you're focused on planning the sprint, coming up with a goal and coming up with a plan for the sprint. The daily stand-up, the goal of that is to plan the day and to come up with a daily goal. The backlog refinement is a carved off piece of time to get things ready for the next sprint. And then the retrospective is where you stop and you look back and you, you tune and, and uh, um, change your process. You've probably seen these retrospective charts all over LinkedIn because, you know, the experts come out every year with uh, some new agile thing, well, new to them, but it's as old as time. Um, why you should be doing your annual retrospective, your personal retrospective and looking back and reflecting. And of course, the funny thing is that brings out the counterculture people that say, why are you waiting every year? That's too long of a sprint. You should be continually improving when you need to. So everybody's kind of got their view on um, the, these rituals and these ceremonies, but the common underlying thread is the comfort that it brings and the expectations that it sets. If we know we're gonna be carving off time to do these things, our brains will naturally focus on something. So the importance of New Year's resolutions is, um, it, it's exactly that. It's you know that it's kind of a societal norm to create them, and you're just gonna naturally start reflecting on how the previous year went and what it is you might wanna change. And you know, the, the, the most common ones obviously is, I'm gonna start eating better, I'm gonna start exercising, I'm gonna look for a new job, I'm gonna move, you know, all these, these general things that maybe we're just exploring. So when you get into, you know, that Inc. Art article and all these other millions of things about why you're gonna fail with your resolution and what you should do, um, don't beat yourself up about it because you might just be exploring. Maybe there isn't something that actually needs to change. So I kind of take the same view with New Year's resolutions as I do with change. Change happens when it needs to happen. You can't force it with a process or a schedule uh, or anything like that. It's when the pain of the status quo becomes more than the assumed pain of the change will change something. And it's not going to happen on a schedule. So, it, you know, it's, it's not that 91% of New Year's resolutions fail. I'll guarantee people are changing those things throughout the year without knowing. But we're kind of locked into, because this is a, a ceremony that happens at 12.01 on January 1st, we create this task that we, we know we want to do for the year and then we don't follow through. And I'm always interested, why do they, how do they capture these? Um, I'd like to read some of these studies, but I kind of don't want to waste my time. Um, you know, how do you bring good data into that when a lot of people just spitball their New Year's resolutions? So I guess a little insight into the incongruence that I mentioned off the top is uh, I didn't have a New Year's resolution, but like I said, about 10 minutes before I hit record, um, the, the goal I wanted to accomplish this year became became clear. And the uh, the main reason I didn't have a New Year's resolution this year is probably because the holiday season was so much out of routine from the normal holiday season. So you could say that the pandemic kind of screwed everything up for pretty much everybody the, the, uh, the last few years. And um, it's been rough on everybody. Um, and last year was a particularly uh, unroutine year for me, if you want to call it that. So just a lot of personal stuff uh, going on that that just completely shook everything up, kind of kind of in in my personal life that I'm not going to get into. 
but especially when it came to the holiday season. You know, every year we kind of have the same ritual. The kids finish school, we do a few things as a family, we go out of town, we visit the rest of the family, um, you know, we come back, we chill out for a few days, we do a couple of other family things, um, and then, you know, you do a New Year's party. And then you kind of slowly ease your way back into work and you kind of get in that same ritual and that same routine. Now ours was totally messed up because number one, there was uh, not a big snowstorm, but one where there was a 50 car pileup on the highway that leads to where our, our extended family lives. So um, I had gone to visit the fam my family earlier uh, and then my wife stayed here uh, with the kids because they had some stuff that they had to finish up. They were going to come later, but then the highway was closed. So they couldn't come down. And then so now the rest of the family couldn't come down because the highway was closed. And then the amount of text messages and Facebook messages and stuff back and forth about the constant replanning just kind of threw everything up in the air. And then it was sort of a last minute. The highway had opened up, I think, you know, mid Christmas day and everybody decided, ah, what the heck, we're going to go. So there was that shakeup. Um, and then uh, my father-in-law's birthday is New Year's, New Year's Eve day as well. And sometimes we'll head down there uh, and we just decided on the day of, well, let's drive. It's a eh, two and a half, three hour drive. So not a big deal. So we drove that, had lunch and then kind of drove back to where, to where we were. So we didn't plan anything for New Year's. We didn't have kind of our normal ritual and it just didn't feel like New Year's. It just felt like the same freaking chaos that we've been living the last few years. So didn't even think about it, didn't care. This was the first year where, you know, I, I had a nap before midnight and then by the time midnight rolled around, I was literally just good for the love of God, can the ball drop already so I can go to bed. And uh, normally we do, um, we'll either do a big party or we'll do a, hey, have no nowhere to go, didn't plan anything, drop into our house uh, kind of thing. We didn't do any of that this year. So it didn't really feel like a good ritual. And then spent the last, I guess, week or so easing back into work, talking with a few buddies, and then it became clear what the goal was. So uh, that that's a, a very long-winded way to say, don't beat yourself up if you don't stick to your New Year's resolution because sometimes you're just not ready. And it, it's not, not really a big deal for that outcome, but I did go through the ritual. So there was a lot of time to think about what are the things that I actually want to change? And I don't know what they are yet. So you don't have to worry too much, um, but the fact that, that that holiday season is a ritual unto itself and it takes your focus for some people, hopefully away from work and towards things that they want to change, you get some time to think about it. And uh, in our organizations, we, we tend to not make time for those things because a lot of the time they're intangible, right? Like retrospectives, like I said, is a great example of that. You do a retrospective and the expectation is, you know, you're going to come up with one small improvement that you should work on. And then when you don't complete that improvement, that's where it's, well, we failed. Well, not really, because maybe it wasn't the right improvement. Maybe you were just forcing the ritual because it needed to happen. There could be a whole pile of reasons, but there are some interesting things that can help with that. So let's flip this episode over into um, something that I've, I, I've been a strong advocate of for geez, probably 10 years now is the, the work of BJ Fogg. So he has a behavior grid and a behavior model. And 
when we think about rituals and ceremonies like retrospectives and New Year's resolutions and things, we think of those as what he calls, and I'm going to put this up on the screen to make sure I get this right. He calls this path behaviors. So when it comes to, you know, agile and bringing in change, the funny thing is all the change experts that you're going to see all over the place talk about how agile is a way to get other people to change their behavior. And the people who don't want to change their behavior are the change managers. So it's the change people who I know everything about change. I know how it should work. Those people need to change their behaviors. <clears throat> we need to change our behaviors. We need to realize that we're there to help and support people through change. We're not there to change other people's behaviors. That is obviously manipulative and controlling. So stop it. But in the case of uh, the fog behavior grid, when we talk about wanting to do those changes or coming up with the New Year's resolution or the thing in the retrospective that we want to change, our, we're talking about what he calls path behaviors, and those are permanent changes. So we think, and you see this all the time, right? You see, how do we make change stick? 70% of changes fail. Well, because we're assuming that these changes are path behaviors. So he talks about these things uh, in a few different buckets. He's got the, these are green, blue, purple, gray, and black. And again, uh, if you're listening to this and you're a podcast listener, um, you can go to leanchange.tv and you can see kind of the visuals that I'm showing here, but I'll try to describe them quickly. So the green path is we want to do a new behavior from now on. So we've decided we want a permanent change. That's what we want to do. Um, the blue path is there's something we already kind of do that's familiar and we just want to do more of that. So there's a behavior that maybe we, we've had some good success with and we want to do more of that. You can kind of see these are very closely tied to some retrospective ideas. So green path is uh, there's a typical start, stop, continue retrospective. I don't think it's built on BJ Fogg's model because I don't think... Uh, BJ Fogg's model seems to be the last thing that agile people haven't stolen and said they invented it. So the new behaviors is start. Here's some things we want to start doing. So the purple path is increasing the behavior. So for me, the blue and the purple are kind of similar. So he, he refers to the blue path as do familiar behavior from now on. And the purple path is increase behavior from now on. And for me, hmm, those are kind of the same. But, you know, blue could be maybe something that's new and we want to do that from now on. And purple path is something that we consistently do, we want to do more of. So maybe that's the subtle distinction. But for me, I would kind of lump those two into the same bucket. And then there's the gray path. So this is the stop doing part of the retrospective. So we want to decrease behavior from now on. So uh, the last one he talks about is black path and that's stop a behavior. So start, stop, continue is a good retrospective um, that kind of aligns with this path behavior. But again, when you talk about the um, New Year's resolutions and the organizational changes we want to do, it seems like we assume it's a permanent change. So a path behavior. Um, if I can find the article, I wrote one about, uh, so we use um, the least popular canvas in Lean Change is the renovation canvas, and I've talked about this forever, but the metaphor is kind of lost on people. If you've ever renovated a part of your house and you've made a structural change, you need to put temporary structures in place. So there's a change with temporary structures. 
And in our case, we were kind of taking a chunk of a wall out and we had to put, they had to build a fake wall basically to hold the ceiling up. And it wasn't a permanent change and it wasn't a permanent structure. It was just something temporary, but it still took time and money to be able to do that. And sometimes in organizational change, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about if we're shifting from let's just say a traditional way of working to an agile way of working, there's a bunch of temporary structures that have to be put in place while we're walking across that bridge from the, uh, to use a metaphor, I don't really like the current state to the future state. There's two other types of behaviors that he talks about um, in this behavior grid. And I'm not gonna go through all of them. I'll put links in the show notes so you can learn a little bit more about this. But uh, like I mentioned, the path behaviors, those are permanent things. And I think, like I said, when we talk about change, that's what we're assuming. Uh, in agile transformation, a digital transformation, ways of working transformation, whatever you wanna call it, we talk about it as permanent. We're going to install this new way of working, it's a permanent change and it's permanent for everybody. So very much like a light switch binary, um, which obviously never works. The other two that he talks about is dot behavior and span behavior. So there's dot behavior, span behavior and path behavior. And dot is point in time, it's event-based. And that very much aligns with experimentation. So I'm gonna try this experiment once. I'm not prepared to completely change something permanently, but I at least wanna try this. And span behavior is the, the change or the behavior that we want to do over a period of time. So I'm gonna try this experiment over the next 40 days. Maybe every day I'm gonna try this experiment over the next 40 days and then see what happens and maybe that will lead to a path behavior. So um, all three of these behaviors, again, like I talked about the green, blue, purple, gray, and black with the path behaviors previously, it's the same for the dot and the span behavior. So he gives a little example of each of those types of things. Um, you know, green for dot behavior, you're gonna try one new behavior once. And the, the interesting thing about all of these different combinations is um, he also has this, uh, I've been talking about this uh, forever probably for the last 10 years, um, th th this thing called tiny habits and piggybacking habits. So, you know, I attend a lot of lean coffees from trainers and uh, run so many workshops and a common problem that people have is how do you make time for change? Now rituals, again the topic of this episode, is a perfect way to make time for change because you've already carved that time off. Um, but let's just say the rituals get skipped, like retrospectives. Like I said, they're common that people will stop retrospectives. Uh, piggybacking habits. And BJ Fogg talks about this a lot. Build a habit on top of another one. So if you have a weekly standing management meeting, um, you know, beg somebody who you're friends with in that management team for the last 15 minutes of that session. So don't try to add a behavior on top, try to piggyback on an existing one. And the one I like to use, and I can't remember if this was something that BJ Fogg talked about, but I talk about this in the workshops is, let's just say you're trying to quit coffee, which would be obviously insane, right? <clears throat> so uh, your, your, your habit is you get up in the morning, you go downstairs, you open the cupboard, you're not even awake, your brain's on autopilot, you get the coffee out, you start brewing the coffee, you start drinking the coffee. You need some way to trigger that change in behavior. So you already have that habit of, of doing that, that routine every time you come down. And maybe when you open up the, the, the cabinet to get the coffee out, 
you put a big pink sticky note there that says with a stop sign on it or something that triggers your brain that, oh, right, I don't want to do this anymore because habits are very difficult to change. So in Tiny Habits, he talks a lot about these triggers. Um, that's the BJ Fogg behavior model, the, the triggers that get us to, to change things. So um, I don't want this episode to get too long, but let's get back to uh, closing it off with the idea of rituals and ceremonies and why they're important. So the main point is focus. It's having dedicated time to focus on exploring something that you don't like about either your personal life or something in your organization or something with your team. It doesn't mean you have to get to action. It just means that your brain has carved off time to focus and think about these things. I'm going to leave links in the description for uh, the behavior grid and the behavior model because this can be a really cool uh, explicit discussion, you know, either with yourself, if you're wanting to change some personal things, you can kind of print this out and then you can, you have a little visual reference that says, you know, this new year's resolution to quit smoking, for example, I guess that's not really a good one because nobody smokes anymore. Um, but, uh, to, to eat healthy, eat healthier. Uh, what would, what would that be? Would that be something I just want to try once? I mean, our brains always go to the path behavior. I need to eat more healthy. That's it. I'm, I'm not eating junk food anymore. I'm going to stop that behavior. I'm, I'm going to start eating vegetables and healthy and go out for walks and stuff. When we have that kind of thinking, we go to the bottom right of the behavior grid chart, which is a black path behavior, which is the hardest to change. It's like shock therapy. Um, you know, uh, Quitting smoking, like I mentioned, nobody smokes anymore except for everybody in my family, which is really odd. So and when I go down there and visit, there's always like a, uh, I bring, I have to bring duplicates of everything. So all the stuff sits in the trunk so it doesn't smell like smoke. And then when we leave, we stop at a rest stop and change, which is pretty irritating. But uh, anyway, that's a hard behavior. And you know, there's warning labels on cigarette packages that should trigger people. And people generally know it's not healthy to smoke compared to not smoking. And um, what actually got my dad to smoke before, before he died was uh, he had a stroke so, and he quit cold turkey. Um, so it took something that drastic for that change to happen because black path behaviors in the fog model are the hardest things to change. So when you're thinking about how you want to apply this to your team or in your personal life, you've got to take those tiny habits and those steps towards small micro changes and maybe you start with a dot behavior. So maybe, you know, let's, let's go with the, I want to eat healthier example, because that's probably the easiest for people to get around. I, I want to stop eating fast food. That's it. I'm going to completely stop. Well, first of all, how many times do you eat fast food and why do you eat fast food? Um, one, it's more convenient. Uh, two, it's reasonably cheap. Um, and three, it's yummy. <laughs> and, uh, so, Maybe your, your, your insights are, you know, when things are chaotic, I don't have time. It's easier to go through the drive through. Um, you know, my life is complete chaos right now. So, uh, it's difficult to get into the ritual of everybody being here. You know, kids are getting old enough where they have jobs or they have so many extracurricular activities. Plus my, my wife and I, we both uh, have, uh, we, we both work. So schedules are very, very chaotic. And sometimes it's easier to use, skip the dishes. So maybe the dot behavior is, um, 
It's a familiar behavior to get takeout to you skip the dishes. We're only going to do that on Fridays. Like Friday, that that's, you know, that's our reward for managing the chaos for the week. One behavior. We're not going to stop it completely. We're just going to try to limit it to once a week. And then maybe the green dot, the new behavior is on Sunday, we're going to pre-prepare. We're going to take two, three hours, which a lot of people do this, and we're going to pre-prepare four meals for the week. Um, and that's something that's pretty difficult to do still, but at least you're kind of using this reference as a guide to say, you know, I need to do all these little micro habits first, and then those micro habits are going to pile up, and then eventually those are going to lead to a permanent path behavior. So maybe, you know, the experiment is um, those dot behaviors I talked about, we're going to try this for two weeks. So for the next two weeks, skip the dishes is only Friday nights. So let's do Friday night, movie night, and uh, and skip the dishes. And we're going to try that for two weeks and see how it goes. And then the important thing is that we're going to have to reflect on how it's going because those two weeks are going to be chaos. And then we're going to have to probably change another habit. So why are we not sticking to it? Why aren't we preparing our meals on Sunday? Um, one, I don't know, maybe we're too tired. Maybe, you know, it's just... It's, it's effort, it's just, it's so much easier to stick with your existing habits than it is to change them. So this whole behavior grid, behavior model gives you some, some interesting ways to kind of take those existing rituals, ceremonies, whatever you call them, and be able to be explicit about, number one, are you there for exploration or are you there for action? And number two, is this a one point in time experiment behavior? Is this a span behavior which means we want to try this experiment over the next two weeks or it might even be we want to do this experiment five times maybe it's not bound by time and then is that going to lead to a path behavior so that's it for the first episode of season two of that chain show i'm enjoying coffee in my christmas mug still and i hope you and your friends and family had a wonderful new year like i mentioned in mine mine really sucked and was pretty chaotic so that's why i didn't do a new year's resolution because just there wasn't eh, it just bleh, it was a mess anyway so if you're watching this on lean change tv i would very much appreciate a like and subscribe and um hopefully the ritual haha <laughs> i'm gonna get into is getting back into doing these weekly so i started doing that at the end of 2022 and that was really the intention, just to do a live show with input from what's going on in the world of change or from questions I get from Lean Coffee sessions and uh, stuff like that. So like and subscribe if you're watching this on Lean Change TV or subscribe in your podcast listener thingamajiggy. Hope you had a wonderful new year and I hope 2023 is hopefully the year we kind of go back to normal. Seems like we're always saying this, right? Um, but anyway, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jason Little, your host of That Change Show, and I will see you next time.